Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome to Mapping the College Audition podcast where we explore the landscape of the college theater world and try to demystify this daunting audition process. I'm your host, Charlie Murphy, director of MTCA. That's Musical Theater College Auditions. And today we've got a bright and sunny show lined up for you. My daughter is obsessed with the word sunny right now and bunny, anything honey, she's into it. David Williams is on the show today from the University of Miami. And I think it is a really great episode. David is someone who has been hoping to get on for a while and it was well worth the wait. Uh, This interview is jam-packed with tidbits that are worthy of takeaways, so I'm going to give you a podcast first in a pre-interview takeaway, which is really just to say we chat a bit about communication while on a wait list, and really communication in general in this kind of post-acceptance period while people are making their final decisions, and the value of how important communication is, which leads me to remind you, any of you who have not signed up for our Waiting on a Waitlist Q&A we're having this week, I highly encourage it. That will be with Leo, our other director, and last week's podcast guest, chatting with some of our alumni who have navigated waitlist successfully in the recent past. This is something that is such a big topic each year uh, that this year we decided we didn't want to just squeeze it into other webinars, but to give it a whole other separate conversation in and of itself. That is 9 p.m. Eastern on this Friday, April 14th, for those who listen in the first 48 hours of release, as you all should. So please register for that. We're also starting our spring faculty masterclass series this week with Catherine Moore of Carnegie Mellon, a previous podcast guest. So for anyone interested in those classes, they're almost all completely sold out, but there are very few spots available in Pace's class as well as in the dance classes, but those will sell out. So if you want to grab one of those spots, please do it soon. The other pre-takeaway I want to do, because David talked about it again, like so many of our teachers do, is just a huge, huge congratulations to the class of 2023. I know we're not at May 1st yet when we'll do our big official celebration, but if you're an MTCA student sitting there stressed with multiple good options, trying desperately to make a final decision, please just remember that stressed out junior that you were when you began this process, hoping that just one school would actually accept you. Well, here you are. You've earned the right for this amazing, stressful decision, and a huge congrats to you on that. Uh, David did specifically say how awesome this class was. And it's also just like thrilling to hear about an awesome class that has nothing to do with COVID. Uh, The past few years, all of our classes have been amazing, but you kind of couldn't describe them without words like resilient or they're amazing fighters. Oh God, they had to navigate the crazy up and downs of all of this. And well, that is true of all classes in this process. Resiliency is so important as an actor, but especially in the college process. This class of 2023 feels like they got to shine on their own merits as performers. And that is just thrilling to me. 
um, using my same metric of think back to when you were juniors wanting just one school, I have to do that a bit myself and just like think back to 2021. It was hard to see the possibility of 2023 being this virus free in its thinking. So yay, spring is sprung and a huge congrats to the class of 2023, most of whom likely will have made up their final decisions before you hear from me again in a college episode at the very end of this month. So we'll celebrate you for real with all of your finals to come. But just to say now, irrespective of what decisions you make and irrespective of your amazing results that we've seen come in so far, congrats on an awesome process, class of 2023, students and parents. And with that, let's get to David Williams from the University of Miami. Well, we are so honored to be joined by David Williams of the University of Miami. David has a BM from that same university and 99% of an MM, he says. Um, Co-founder and music director of Music Theater Italy, a classical pianist and accompanist who's worked throughout the country and in Europe. Performed in tons of ballet companies, has many theatrical credits, and is now a senior lecturer at the University of Miami which is located in Coral Gables, Florida. They have class sizes of about 14 to 16 and offer many degrees, BFAs in MT, BAs in theater arts, etc. David, welcome on the pod. How are you doing today? Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Um, so I gave that super brief overview of a bio, yeah. but I'd love to hear a little bit of like just your journey, and maybe you can hear about the 99% and the 1%, um, but your journey to Miami. Um, I've always done theater ever since I was like four or five. And as a pianist, um, I was always really in demand to play the piano. You know, Mm -hmm. they abuse is the wrong word, but they abuse your talents in the theater. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've always been around it, but I've always been around classical music also. And for years and years and years, I was I was a working pianist. And just by sheer wonder, wonderful luck, um, a colleague here at UM asked me if I would um, do them the honor of coming and playing for what they called barriers at the time, mm-hmm. which I said, sure, I'll do that. And as it turned out, the entire BFA program at the, before I joined here had to do barriers, which was basically a jury where every single mm-hmm. one of them sang for the, for the acting faculty two songs. So at the end of 400 hours, um, they said, hey, you're, you're good at this. Would you like a job? And thinking it would be, I don't know, a couple of months at best has now turned into way over 20 years. Wow. And yeah. I, I find it the, the, the most wonderful thing in my life is to make the transition from pure music into music with words and theater. It's just, it's just what I live. I've always lived it. And this mm-hmm. fell into my lap. And now I get to share it with with BFA students and nothing's better. Um, so tell me a little bit about, so in your experience of your 20 some years mm-hmm. um, at Miami, yeah. what do you feel like makes a University of Miami student? What, what are the sort of unique qualities that you see in a lot of U of Miami students? Well, I think the definition of unique is what I see and it, it bears out every single time. We don't look for a type. We look for a diverse population in, in every every definition of that. And I need to make sure that the person that I pick for our department is someone that I can live with, someone they can live with, that being me. Um, and I'm very, very careful. It, 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 it needs to be an example of humanity and someone who loves the idea of talking about theater, uh-huh. someone who I know immediately wants to be challenged. 
Um, And I don't care what that looks like, what that sounds like. The talent is obviously there or we wouldn't be Uh having conversation. But it, it, it really comes down to what I know is the right type of, of humanity isn't the right word, but what type of personality, what type yeah. of wonder of the world will fit us. One of the things that we also have to be very, very careful with in our, in our BFA program is because we're located in a, in a really um, academically challenging university. And they look at those applications the same way they look at physicists and pre-med <laughs> students. They don't separate out artists, um, which is great because I wind up with very, very smart students. And I don't mm-hmm. think there's anything known as, an, there is no such thing as an overeducated um, actor. Mm-hmm. But there's, there seems to be some difficulty in, in some very good art schools around the country, high schools, with making sure that that academic portion of, of, their, yeah. of their education is at the high level that we need. And then they have to meet the talent requirements. And so there's a very small diagram wow. of the perfect student for us. But if it's someone that like comes in and displays, oh, um, oh I don't know, overtly diva behavior, I it, it's not going to work for us. Yeah. Um, no, I love that. And uh, you will talk a little bit more in the second half about the audition process and, and the admissions process. Um, but I will say, you mentioned that you take a lot of time with your students. And that, I'll say that is one of the reasons I went, oh my gosh, I have to have David on. I've been thinking of that for years because the number of times I'll be at Unifieds and people will come and go, I just had the greatest experience. This audition was so, they took so much time with me. And I was like, uh-huh, I got every, I've written that down for 10 years. And, you, know. you literally just made my day. Um, I think it's something <laughs> that I am proud of. I, I like yeah. doing this. It's important. And also, I don't know why I wouldn't want to spend time with people who've spent so many years getting ready for this. Um, I, I feel like I'm cheating them. I say, thank you, next. Yeah, there are schools that do it, and I respect them that, that go do it, and with very little conversation, pick a class, and they feel comfortable with it. I cannot imagine spending four years with someone and not spending 10 minutes talking to them. Yeah. I can't afford to make a mistake with the small numbers. Uh-huh, that's right. I think some schools know they can take 150 kids and graduate X. But if you're getting 14 kids, it's... Yeah. I, 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 can't, I don't want to. UM is expensive. I don't want anybody to make a mistake. And again, our theater world is difficult. Working in the theater... It takes a lot of a lot of stuff out of people. So I, I think we really should be the kindest people in the world and demonstrate that. Let's get into a little bit of the curriculum. So, um, sure. you know, if I'm spending four years at the University of Miami, how am I going to come out changed? Let's say I come in, I'm an interesting person. I've got all the humanity, great audition. What am I going to work on over the series of four years, especially, let's say, as a musical theater major, that's going to sort of add skills to my, my repertoire? I need to define something and then then answer that question. Please. So we used to have two distinct tracks. We used to have an acting track and a musical theater track. What we found was that people who went through the musical theater track were taking the same acting classes as the acting students. Mm -hmm. And the acting students weren't getting the music training. And the kids that were immediately graduated from us, it was the musical theater kids that were getting all the jobs, including Mm -hmm. the non-musical theater jobs. So we said, hmm, there's something wrong here. And so now we call ourselves a comprehensive program. If you if you if you slit a couple of veins and did some DNA testing of all our kids, they are definitely musical theater. Their DNA reads musical theater. Mm -hmm. But we want kids that really want to study everything and are not afraid of it. Um, when I was a kid, 
the the word triple threat was like something magical. Now it's just you know it, it's like the Olympics. A, a, a triple sow cow is nothing. Um, and, and and so now it, the, the, we want kids to come in with talent and want to study everything in order a to understand more of the theater that we're doing, but also quite frankly, and I hate to put it in a financial uh, way, but are more yeah. employable. Period. We talk about it all the time that more of the money is in the musical theater world. Exactly. But if you look at the world right now and you watch some of the television franchises, my favorite, the, the Law and Order ones, they're all musical theater kids that are uh-huh. that are that are are the stars of these shows. Um, mm-hmm. There's something that there's something going on in the world right now that people are understanding that musical theater is not some sort of um, cheap stepchild of the acting world. Um, uh-huh. We actually know a lot of style. And I think that's what we do. We teach style. That said, we don't want kids that are coming in that are perfect at everything. Well, I would love that, but there's no reason <laughs> to go to school. There's there's no uh-huh. reason to go to school. Um, we find that if kids come in as a strong actor and a little shy of their 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 singing voice, um, they tend to work harder. And the the truth is, I'm looking at my current junior class. There are a couple people in there that came not thinking they could sing and quite frankly are out singing everybody hmm. um that pressure if that's the right word i think that that might might be a little dismissive um really serves these kids and they they work harder yeah. um the same yeah. thing goes for dance or movement take me through a little bit if you want to get a little granular in terms of the freshman through a sophomore, a sophomore sure. the junior senior year. what is the trajectory of what i'm learning as uh, through the four years <laughs> so much um we are in a major university but if you look at just the curricula for the university you're going to say for, for our department within the university how are we operating um, I, I have friends that run programs everywhere and I look at the curriculum and I chuckle a little bit because their lives are so much easier than the lives here. Um, <laughs> we have been doing this for so long. We don't actually, how do I put this? Uh, I'll just say it. We don't exactly tell the truth on our credit value. So our classes within the BFA look like a pure conservatory. But of course, as we start going into the sophomore year, we start adding the required university courses, and we can get more into that later. Yes, please. Yeah. So my freshmen, fresh folks, let's 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 degender that word once and for all, are taking somewhere between twelve and fourteen classes. Which, if you were looking at a regular university, of course, is impossible mm-hmm. because they would have to be three, two, three credits a piece, and uh, that would overload. Most of our classes on paper read one credit, even though that's not actually the content. Um, mm-hmm. the contact hours. So uh, we take everything in the freshman year. We take movement, singing, um, dance, voice and speech, private voice lessons, um, acting, um, stagecraft, uh, you know, and mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z as well. Whereas some other universities, the credit values read, read accurately, can only take four or five classes max. Uh-huh. So we, we basically grab you as a fresh fresh folk and start you off, I think, around 9 o'clock in the morning. Um, and then depending on what your crew or assignments are, we would finish around 6.30 and pick up mm-hmm. again at 7 for those six weeks that you're in crew or, or technical support for the shows. Mm-hmm. Then come the second year, you're guaranteed casting. And so your evenings are taken for 12 weeks per semester. And then the the percentage of of theater classes as opposed to university um, classes starts to switch 
Not, mm -hmm. not by much, but by the junior and the senior year, you're taking all the academics that are required, which are not just general academics. We have a different way of doing it. We have something called cognates, where you make basically little mini minors, which mm -hmm. is the definition of a liberal education. And that's another thing that I spoke about earlier. The, the, the requirements of the university are vast, and so are the requirements of the, the BFA. So that also talks talks particularly to a, a, a unique type of student. Yeah, let's stay on um, that. I'd love to hear a little bit about what are those potential minors that you know maybe are, are minors that people commonly get, or what are my possibilities if I want to get a minor or even, God forbid, a double major? Is that possible within Miami? The possibilities are vast, but also the BFA schedule is rather tyrannical. Mm -hmm. So there are ways of obtaining what you want. We have the discussions with our students. Um, do you need the minor or do you need the classwork? What do you want? Or, mm -hmm. particularly since we have very academically gifted students coming into our program, what are you coming with? What are you coming in with already that is transferable? Mm -hmm. What are your APs? What uh, did you take summer classes? Did you take early, early um, university classes? The more you can open that up, the more um, the more possible it is to get a minor. And in some cases, depending on what you choose, communications is we have a great communications school in in the university mm -hmm. can also become a major. We've had kids have psych majors; um, mm -hmm. those are rare. But again, it depends on, on the student. A lot, a lot of students come in with a great idea to minor and double major. And by the time the theater bug has completely taken over their lives, that, that importance falls off. It's very important to some parents, and I get that. Mm -hmm. But I can't promise anything without being able to look very carefully at the transcript of a student coming in. Um, it, I think it's important, but also the work of the theater is so vast and so time-consuming yep. that I will say to some parents, well, your, your, your child really needs to sleep and eat sometime. Right. They're already triple majoring in musical theater. Yeah, you really are, if not quadrupling. However, you know, I, I, I love academics myself, and I, I would do that to myself as well. But we, we need to we need to be kinder and gentler to ourselves in the world right mm. now. And so mm. um, it's all possible. Um, communications, lots of design elements are possible uh -huh. in, in minors and majors. Um, what else is out there that people do? Oh, an announcing, you know, television announcing, sports announcing. Uh -huh. uh, a few kids have looked into education. It, the university is 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 massive uh, you you uh -huh. name it it's here but i can't promise that because obviously our our bfa requirement is non-negotiable right and the time that we teach our non-negotiable classes are the prime time for the university but it still happens um it's not an easy thing but the kids that are successful at that are very successful at that and are usually graduating at the top of the university at the same time as doing. Of the musical theater, you mentioned being comprehensive, which I think is a great word. Is there a discipline of the three that you spend either more credit hours or where you feel like there's more focus? Or maybe another way to ask that is, is do people think of a University of Miami student as being particularly strong in one of the three disciplines? Yeah, I do. And I, I believe it strongly because I think it overrides everything. And I, and I suspect most, most places think this. It's an acting program for a second, third, fourth, 100th. 
Mm -hmm. um, again, the DNA is musical theater, but but our students are actors, um, mm -hmm. and you can you can spot them a million miles away. And maybe a better word for, than actor, I think. Although I don't know any better word than actor, um, <laughs> a, a a person who understands style and able mm -hmm. to 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 move through style. So a, a stylist, someone who can move from Shakespeare into Sondheim into I don't know a tap number. It's uh -huh. it's style. It's it's all acting. It's all storytelling. But it's understanding the rules that 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 we have learned throughout the years, and then deciding what to do with those rules. But we're firm believers: learn the rules and then break them. But don't break them before you know them. You started to do a little bit of there, but if you would mind, just give me a little bit more of a definition of. Imagine if I'm a parent listener and I hear style, and I'm thinking like fashion or whatever. Yeah. You know, what do we mean when we say style in the theater? For me, at least, style is the the set of rules or the set of conventions that that make a certain type of performance, either being a song, um, mm -hmm. a, a dance, or a play, what, what are the rules that, that we all can understand th that is the operating force for that? So uh -huh. we could say, Sondheim, here are the rules, and if we obey those, we're actually performing stylistically correct. But when we know those, we also know what rules don't apply to other uh -huh. things. And, and, and I think that's the, the big thing. We, we all say we really like X, Y, and Z, but we need to actually go much deeper and go, why don't we like it? Oh, maybe we don't understand why we don't like it. Uh -huh. Oh, I didn't understand what those rules were. What, what's the umbrella under which that's operating? And we see it all the time and we accept it for, for, for everything in our lives. You know, we understand what a commercial on television is that operates under a certain style. Uh -huh. We understand what Deadpool is. And if we expected Deadpool to be Schindler's List, we would all be very disappointed <laughs> in both movies. And so that style, once you yeah. get what's going on, you understand it. And, and I don't know, I think style gets a, a bad rap, that word right now. And uh -huh. so maybe that's why I like the idea of, it's just the rules that govern it. And yeah. those, they're, they're, they're mutable. We can go left or right, but we need to know what they are and then decide what, what to do with it. And I am on my soapbox soapbox on this so forgive me <laughs> no we wanted that was so well said i think it's really helpful it's, it's helpful for i think our listeners to hear uh, um philosophically also this is how you you talk about this kind of stuff um I, i'd love to talk about dance a little bit so if i come in as a dancer maybe i'm a really advanced or if i come in and i'm really not advanced how does that work in terms of do i work within my freshman sophomore uh, yeah. cohort or am i leveled in terms of across the classes how does that yeah. work um we used to level but as we added more acting and more movement and, and other classes, we found that that was, was causing us problems with our, with our scheduling. And uh -huh. it just made it impossible. We didn't, there's just not, there's an, a very finite amount of space. But then we thought about it very carefully and realized we don't level anything else. Mm -hmm. um, and no one is coming in at the same level in any aspect of their training. And we happen to have a really great dance teacher that can teach just like really great acting teachers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't change classes because someone is a better Shakespearean than someone else. So philosophically, I haven't found it necessary. I suppose uh -huh. if we went above 20, I think we would have a different conversation. Yep. But at 20, 
I trust my my dance teachers implicitly. Um, yep. Absolutely, to be able no, to. No, totally that. makes sense. You know, and it's yeah, it's a different construction of a program. To your point, when you have fourteen students versus when you have eighty, you know, it's just a different. Absolutely, um, at, at eighty, you, you not only do you need to level, you need to cut you those numbers down. So many people groups. don't. Yeah, exactly, um, but but at fourteen, we're yeah. we're we're in the safe zone. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about maybe that senior year, or it certainly could start earlier in terms of how you prepare your students for the launch into the business from the idea of a showcase or meeting agents, how how you um, learn about that part of the world. I'd love to hear, like, how am I going to be prepared to launch? So, yes, we do showcase. In fact, just a few days ago, I came back from New York and we had an extraordinarily successful showcase. I am incredibly proud of our seniors. And they were seen by a lot of people. And so that's not generally the rule anymore, but we figured out a way to to, to make that happen. Uh, But how we prepare kids for the industry, I think, is from day one in class. The expectations are we are going to learn the, the protocols, the, 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 again, here we go, the style, the rules of the theater. And the expectations are in cl- classes will be in, from minute go enforcing that. We, we will be talking about, well, this is the reason we're learning this. This is the reason you're going to say this. This is the reason you're going to slate because it's going to show up in four years. And quite frankly, if we're not practicing professionalism for four years, it puts an undue burden on that senior class to figure things mm-hmm. out. We're doing it mm-hmm. from the minute go. And, you know, we're, we're actors. We perform what we rehearse. So if we're rehearsing it for four years, we're, we're, we're so far ahead. It's mm-hmm. not, not a challenge. Like, how do I talk to people? Um, that said, we, we have everything in the curricula that leads up to it. Showcases in the last semester. Um, the the book building for that showcase is in the first semester of the mm-hmm. of the senior year, and and um, auditioning is in their junior year. But before that happens, they're already building their books, mm-hmm. and totally. and and there is not a class that I start without saying, "Has anybody thought of any material for the showcase?" And I'm talking uh-huh. about first semester kids. Um, and I like that because <laughs> because I love how it changes over the years. As things that they sure that they came in as as, as first year students that that thought that was the greatest piece of theater and they're going to do it for the showcase, all of a sudden becomes just something that they would never dream of ever putting on uh-huh. stage again. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's one of the joys watching the growth over the four years and seeing but seeing so seeing where they're going and I can see it and and, mm-hmm. and that's for me at least one of the joys of the job I know the difference between a first second third and fourth year student uh-huh. it, it's so obvious to me and um and and it's obvious to the students as well everybody looks at the seniors with awe uh-huh. and then you know and then we'll never be able to make that at every single class it, it happens um yeah. and so cool. you know that's 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 one of my lucky positions. I, I, I'm teaching all of the classes. I mean, not all classes, but I teach all classes. Right. <laughs> and um, I could, uh, I could see that. And yeah. it's wonderful to see the kids acknowledge that. And they all do. Yep. They all do. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about where the kind of breakdown of where your students come from, like all over the country and in the world, and then also kind of where do they end up? So you mentioned they're all actors first, so uh, um, or not all actors first, but that's the, the the structure of the program. So how many end up in New York, LA, around the country? How many stay in Florida? Um, I'd love to hear both where they come from and then where do they end up? 
Yeah, they come they come from around the country and around the world mostly. Mostly, I would say, from the northeast part of our country. We mm-hmm. used to have a huge contingent of people from the, the west side um, of, our, our, of our land. Um, it, it, again, it depends on what these auditions look like, you mm-hmm. know, and what the, the give and take. So they're coming from everywhere. Um, not as much necessarily from our home state. Um, and I think that has to do with... I, People have wanderlust, and they should go mm-hmm. maybe someplace that they don't live already. Mm-hmm. Um, that that doesn't mean I don't have a lot of Florida students or Miami students, but the majority of our students are not. Um, where they go again depends on that class makeup. And I'd like to say, as a as an positive, uh, every class that I've ever had, that we've ever had, doesn't look like, sound like, sing like, act like mm-hmm. any class above or below it. It, it is mm-hmm. it's just not a type that that's filled. And so whatever that, that class, class zeitgeist is, whatever's in the water when they come as their first semester students, um, they tend to move in that, that miasma and they mm-hmm. tend to go in the same place. So a couple of years ago, almost all of them wound up in L.A. Uh, mm-hmm. Polling the seniors that are graduating any day now, well, while we were in New York, every last hand went up that said they were moving to New York. And so it's like, okay, this is interesting. I'd like to figure out how that happens. But I, but more importantly, what I think it says is that the students that matriculate here feel that they have, in fact, done what the program says, comprehensively taught them, and they can go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, a few kids stay in Miami. The tech kids tend to stay in Miami because they're hireable immediately. Uh-huh. Um and I'll go ahead and say what everybody in the country knows. Um, our, our tech students are, are so valuable um, and, 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 and hireable at a rate that surpasses actors. I hate saying that for actors, but it just happens to be the truth. So our kids in turn, our, our tech kids in turn in Miami and tend to wind up in some of the really great theater positions here. I know there's also a, a thriving, you know, scene in, in Miami, especially if you in the independent film world. You know, one yeah. some of my schoolmates from Carnegie Mellon ended up in Miami, and and yeah. my best friend, who's a Juilliard grad, he was from Miami, ended up back in Miami, working in Miami. Like, there's really there is a world there in the in terms of uh, the art scene that that's real. Yeah, it is, and it's getting bigger by the second. As a shameless plug. Um, I'm directing a musical right now by my newest, newest, newest best friend in the world, Polly Penn, who's written a lot of very small, marvelous chamber um, pieces. And we're going to be performing it at the end of this month at the Paris Art Museum, which is maybe one of the most beautiful modern art buildings that is built in the last mm-hmm. 20 years. And the, the noise that this is making in this city um, because it's just an extraordinary opportunity for everybody involved, and they've never mm-hmm. done theater in this building. Um, it, it, and everybody's interested. It, it, it's actually flabbergasting to me, the number mm-hmm. of emails that I'm getting. Oh, wow. It, it's not insular, the community. Everybody's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you mm-hmm. doing? Um, which is really, it, 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 it's, it's, it's heartwarming. I, I, I yep. think it, Miami is turning into something 
that it has not been for a while. Um, I want to do a little section on um, people choosing your school. So now let's imagine for our seniors who are listeners or senior parents listening as well, some of whom may have been accepted and they're trying to make final decisions and all that. Uh, I know one of the big determining factors, you mentioned cost, that it's a very expensive mm-hmm. university. Um, yep. We looked up, it's like something like the tuition's around 58000 I think it's the, clo- the where we were last quoted. It's going up, <laughs> it's up, hot. up. It's hot. <laughs> um, what, what, what are we talking about in terms of like stuff like scholarships? So, you know, so many of our students, they are very strong academic students. So how it works with academic scholarships and then also stuff like talent scholarships. How does that work if we're trying to bring that cost down? It, a it's bit? a combo platter. So there is a, uh, we supply our our scholarship recommendations based on what we saw in the auditions at the same time that the financial aid package goes to the university and the, in the admissions office, uh, it, it's a complicated uh, process. I'll tell you that, um, looks at the academic portions of it. And then that each one of those are rated and somehow they, they come up with some sort of calculus that, uh, and I, I think thankfully I'm not privy to, um, what the university does is meet percentages of, of, of need, and they've been mm-hmm. doing it exceedingly well for our students in the last, I don't know, 10 years. Um, I, I don't think any administrator in, it, in, in the program should ever know really the financial information about any of our students. Mm-hmm. But I do know when I look at renewal of scholarships that the university itself is meeting it. They're meeting it in a variety of ways. Some of it is direct financial aid. Some of it is based on high scholastic achievement and also mm-hmm. high artistic achievement. Mm-hmm. So when you put those three things together, it, depending on what the, what the financial papers look like, the university will figure out what to do with that from there. In short, not a single financial aid package looks like the same for any person. It is each uniquely drawn. So if you hear that um, student A got X dollars, it, it, it's really impossible to compare to student B. Mm-hmm. Um, no one no one really can know anybody else's true financial situation. I hate saying that, but I think it makes everything safer and, and, and quite frankly, more democratic. Yep. Um, that said, again, the university is doing a very, very good job of, of meeting needs. Um, and I'll just go ahead and say it for the millionth time in my life, the talent and the academic excellence that students come in with pays off. Yep. Totally. Well, and, and so I know the cost office is a big area in terms of why choose, people choose or don't choose a school. I'd love to hear about like, what are, you know, when you're making your decision, you're, you know, you're hearing your final decisions, I guess that's really now speaking toward last year, since you haven't heard most of your final decisions for this year, but what makes a student say, you know what, this is what made me, this is what cinched me, this is what clinched my decision. And then what also maybe if they just say, hey, I'm actually going a different direction. Do you hear right. feedback saying, actually, I don't, this is why I didn't choose my yeah, I, I, I have the answers to that. Um, I, not, I'm really not patting myself on the back. But it's just something I think we do really, really well um, at the audition. I, I think we are very, we're very good at that and we, we speak the truth. And, and that's the number one portion of it. The second is when they come to this campus and they see other students our mm-hmm. students are very warm, um, genial human beings that l- are very much vested in what the classes under them are going to look like. In our New York auditions and the Unified auditions, we have so many 
um, New York actors that have graduated from us that really, quite frankly, I think the right word is insist on coming to the audition so they can uh-huh. talk to possible um, students. It's, it's, it's an embarrassment of riches, quite frankly. That also, like they, they hear kids that have you know, graduated 10, 15 years out just going, you need to come here. Uh-huh. And then when they come to school, they see the current crop of students and they speak to them. And then they sit on the classes and they go, oh, yeah. And then um, I'll spare everybody. But outside my window, it is really the singularly most beautiful <laughs> place on earth. Yeah. Um, our campus is gorgeous. And as a side note, we we were dehomed last year. Our, our old building came down. And just as we're speaking, I don't know why there's quiet right now, but the the foundations are being laid for our new complex, mm-hmm. which I'm very much looking forward to. Um, so we're going to have spanking brand new um, facilities on basically mm-hmm. what looks like a brand new campus. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's hard to say no to it. Um, it. Everything points to that. And, you know, I, and I think when kids say no, it, it, it tends to be financial. It does. Yeah. We just can't meet their needs. Right. Um, and, and it hurts me. It, it, it truly does. Um, I have no say on what the financial aid office says when, you know, someone who has three kids in school is being looked at X, Y, and right. Z the same way. Um, and I'll do everything. I'll write all sorts of, of notes, but it, it comes down to the legality of the financial aid papers. Do you experience, I mean, this is a, a brand new um, I guess issue if it were to come up for you, but do you experience any, in like our current political climate, any families saying like, hey, I'm, I'm nervous about sending my kid to Florida, maybe if they're from New York or from California or, you know. I haven't heard from parents, but I have fielded this question. And I'll just be honest, I'm worried about in this state. However, we are a private institution in a very liberal city. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are the theater department. And so uh, we've been dealing with these issues since since the dark ages. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that everyone is safe on this campus. Mm. We're going to take a short break. And on the back end, we're going to talk a little bit about the audition and admissions process a bit more. So we're back in a flash. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are back with David Williams, and we're going to talk a little bit about that magical audition process uh, that he loves so much. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about what you think makes a great audition for you. So what do you want to see in the, those 10 minutes, 15 minutes, however long you're spending with the students? I don't want to be boring, but I, I want to. everybody says they want to see the person. I, I really do. 
I, I don't want to see something that's so highly polished. It just looks like a rehearsal or, or, or memorization. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't care if it's perfect or not. I, I, I want to be able to, at the end of it, ask questions about it. How did you choose that? Why did you choose that? I want to be able to say, how about try this? And it's probably wrong, but let me see you be wrong. Um, mm-hmm. So the rehearsal, the, the audition really lets me know are you really going to do what we need you to do in the theater? Are you going to be able to right away accept that you're just wrong and, 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 and learn from it? Uh-huh. It, it, it? High school students are just so programmed. They got to give perfect tests. They got to do perfect monologues. Uh-huh. And so it, 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 it's so, t- they're so tightly wound. I just, I want someone who's relaxed and go, hey, give this a whirl. And assume uh-huh. that it's wrong, but assume that you can do it. And someone who can actually sit back and when I when I ask them, how did you do, have some sort of answer, some sort of honest-to-God answer, not like, well, you know, when I'm performing, I, I don't know anything. I, I, I get that. I, I You know, yeah. I'm a performer as well. But I also... I know what the experience for me was. That, that question, I'll say, that question is one that... Uh, I, for so many years I've heard, and people always think it's a trick question. Like, what did he want me to say? What was I supposed to say? I was like, I think you're supposed to answer honestly. They're like, no, what was, I was, what, was this a good answer? Was that a good answer? <laughs> Any answer is good. No answer is not good. There's like yeah. a secret. Uh, you know, it's also the sense of play. Someone who could smile and come in the room and, and okay, I'm going to get on my soapbox again. Yeah. Uh, material that's appropriate to age I, I, I may be old, but uh, not that old. I, and also, you know, these these people who are auditioning are are, are still very very young. Acknowledge mm-hmm. that. Don't don't give material that just I'm going to have that is going to make me uncomfortable to work with mm-hmm. you on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and there's so much material out there. Second soapbox. Ask your coaches, does everybody do this? Now, I'll hear the same monologue over and over again, mm-hmm. but boy, am I interested when someone has found something that maybe nobody else has done. Uh-huh. And there are uh-huh. so many plays. There, there, there's so many things to look at. That tells me there's a sense of wonder about our art form, that, they've, that a student has looked and searched and read a thousand books. Mm-hmm. That's a student. Not mm-hmm. someone who would say, here's two monologues, figure out which one you want. Anybody could do that. Can you think of an example? I know it's putting you on the spot here, but can you think of an example of a student who, you know, in, in that revealing of yourself where you went, they seemed, you mentioned you really want them to seem easy and seem willing to try some things that are wrong. Can you think of an example of an audition that was particularly that way um, and what made it really work for you? I think a student that when, when a question is asked of why, why do you want to go to university? Why did you do that monologue? And just something that, 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 that there's an instant trust that the answer that would not have been an answer for anybody else in the room. Uh-huh. I, I felt safe to do it. I felt that I, or I need to get away from where I am right now to feel safe to be able to be who I am so I can feel safe to be able to portray things on stage. And I hear that a lot. Um, I, you know, students that come from some places in this country that it's hard for them to be themselves for a variety of reasons. 
mm-hmm. so desperately want out. And you can feel that desperation in the material that they've they've chosen and how they need a, they need a home to be able to say it, which is what theater is, a home to be able to speak. Mm-hmm. And when they express that, and then we try the monologue again, right after that expression of, of mm-hmm. honesty, they go, oh, wow, I can channel all of this. It happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Or you just get a, just an answer so out of left field about why they chose something or how they chose to portray it. It's just like, wow, this is someone who's thinking deeply, way beyond this is what I was told, this is the right way to do it. it, it it's, it's just so fascinating to me. It's just, you, you hear, aha, artist in the making. This yeah. is this is someone worthy of, of doing this. This is someone I'd love to teach because it yep. surprises me. If you had to guess, because you mentioned uh, at the beginning uh, we were talking about this, that the talent has to be there, right? If you had to guess how much in terms of the decision artistically for you to come to a yes or a no, how much of that is based on the talent you're seeing in the songs and the monologues versus some of those intangibles of how they take adjustments, how they do answer interview questions, yeah. how much is more about the, the musical and acting talent that you're seeing and how much is more about th- what kind of student they are? It's interesting because I, I, I couldn't give you a percentage or a ratio. I think what forces me into the in-depth portion of the interview is the obvious talent. If I see something that that triggers something in me, that I guess that word is is not usable in, the, in a positive way anymore. But it's something that 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 sets off my brain wanting to know something about the person in front of me. Mm-hmm. The, the, the talent has just been checked off, mm-hmm. and I think people get worried that sometimes maybe I'll hear two songs or two monologues, right. and sometimes I'll hear five seconds, and all I want to do is talk. Uh-huh. It's it's if I really want to upset myself, or if I'm feeling particularly in need of depression, I will open up and read any like the college boards or the you know the chat boards to uh-huh. find out what I want. It's uh, invariably <laughs> wrong. Well, actually, like, oh, I want that. I didn't always, know I wanted that. <laughs> it's <laughs> always wrong. I, I just you know why can't we interview someone just because of the the person in front of us? I I, I can't mm-hmm. follow a script. For this, I follow a script mm-hmm. for a play, not not for an interview. Mm-hmm. I, I I need to I need to know things that that you're going to tell me that that someone else is not. So I'll hear an audition and I will determine the course of my questioning from that. Uh-huh. And it could be like the scholarships. Every every person is going to get a different question, different adjustments based on what you're saying. It's going to be individual. Well, right? Isn't that what we do? I mean, yeah. are, are, it, maybe it's not everybody. I I, I think it should be. But I think the practicality of larger programs make this difficult. Uh-huh. I think the other thing that makes our program really very good at what it does is I don't have to teach the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Uh-huh. If you come in and sing a song, I'm only teaching you. Uh-huh. And it will not be the same lesson for that song, even though someone else sings it the same way. And the same thing for the, for the material that we choose to cover. We look at our classes and go, we have, we have 13 of these people, what do these 13 people need? And it goes also into what's most difficult for us picking our season selection, because it's Mm -hmm. not picked on what we, as a faculty, just, I'd love to direct. It's, well, let's look at what everybody's done, put it down on on a massive flow chart and say, okay, 
David has only been in a Shakespeare and a small musical. Uh David needs to be in a large musical. Sally has never been in an ensemble in a musical. Sally's going there. Bert has never been in a play. And so we figure that out and we figure it out because we truly consider casting as part of the curricula and it's required or you can't graduate. And so I think this is very important. And so the choice of material in class as well as the choice of material that we cover in production is solely based on the student in front of us. Yep. Well, another advantage of a smaller program. Yes. That you can do that. I mean, you, you cannot do that if you have 200 students. It's not possible to, to no, consider on that level. You can't possibly. Yeah. You can't. Um, well, in terms of the admission, so let's say the artistically, you say, yes, I love the student. The audition uh, was good with the, the songs and monologues. They answer great interview questions. I really like them artistically or holistically from the audition. Now, as we look at the um, university, how, how does that work then with admission with, you mentioned they have to have really strong academics, um, SATs, essays. How do those things factor in if artistically you like the student? Completely different beast, the, the admissions department. So mm-hmm. we will, in, in, a, in a perfect world, it all happens as a unit. However, that perfect world is, is, is hard to define anymore. So I will do my auditions and the university gets the applications. I will have my list ready. They will have their list ready. Mm-hmm. We'll look at the Venn diagram and then we'll go, okay, da 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 da. What about this kid? What about that kid? And so there will be there will be a conversation on the kids that are not inside the, the intersections. That are not inside um, the academic bubble. So you're gonna say, Oh, they're a little below. I really love them. Can I get them back? Whether or not that happens, because right. I, I think fortunately for me, maybe unfortunately, I'm not sure, I'm not supposed to know their academic history when I audition them. Uh-huh. If I did, I think it would taint how I do the auditions. I, I would uh-huh. get, I would have preconceived notions. So then it comes and then we go, okay, but, but this kid is this, oh dear. Uh, they can't write. Um, let's let's see what the the veracity of that is. Uh-huh. Um, and and there's some trading back and forth. Um, and then we figure out how to make the class. And yep. we don't operate uh, as a conservatory. I can't say, okay, I'm offering you a place. Uh, it, right. it, it has to be a general university offer. But so you will look at the academics yourself, but only after the audition. So before the audition, yeah. you won't have read the essays or any of that kind of stuff, but you might do I that afterwards. I will need what I have asked for in our supplemental uh-huh. application, but right. it will not be granular and it also will probably be self-reported. And so it's not uh-huh. anything that the university is going to look for. Now, they look very seriously at our recommendations. There's no question about that. And I think this is, this actually may be one of the most important things I'll say today. Um, the university's application pool each year goes up, the university as a whole, uh-huh. um, geometrically. Um, uh-huh. There are tens and tens and tens of thousands more applicants each year. And uh-huh. so they look at it in a, they look at it more and more stringently. Um, they're very good with us. Um, we're a small little school in a massive university and I take up an inordinate, an inordinate amount of their time, probably to their (laughs) chagrin, but Hey, I'm not shy. Um, but it, it, it gets done and 
And every year I look at an incoming class and go, wow, how did that happen? It seems yeah. like magic, quite frankly. Um, and, and knock some sort of wood. Um, they're remarkable classes. I, I have some of the best classes I've seen in years. And you mentioned that in general, as the, the academic department is looking at the, the grades, SATs, et cetera, that they are judging them as if they're applying for physics, that really there's not a, they're not getting a, a little yeah. bit of a lower standard academically because it's the theater no. department. They're looking at them no. the exact same. <laughs> I don't yep. know. The, the rules for admission is, is always in flux and COVID, you know, that thing that happened, um, oh, yeah. put everything in a strange way. Like many universities, the SAT, ACT scores were you could submit them this year. I think right. maybe the last one where it was is optional. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um, GPA is important. What school? And just for our listeners, sorry, this year meaning last year, by the way, with SAT, ACT, right? right? You're saying yes, that yes. for I last year, senior, year that I, these juniors will have to take. Them. I literally, as we're speaking, hit submit on an, on, a, on my final my final list for this year. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We're going to read so them I all on, out loud on the pod. Tell us who they are. <laughs> I uh, will be fired faster than, than the speed of light. Uh, and I wouldn't do that because it, it killed. I, I'm going to just go out. It kills me. We've seen so. I, I, it, so thank everybody who's prepared kids around the country. This year's crop of, of applicants has been extraordinarily high. I, I, it's, it's, I've seen so many kids. Um, and I would take, if I could, I would take a class of 60 and I could easily uh-huh. do it. Yep. I can't. And it kills me to make a decision between one extraordinary student and the next. It, it's my least favorite thing. Well, you're um, leading me perfectly into my next question, because like, we hear that oh. all the time. You know, I've, I've heard this from, uh, you know, from our professors at Carnegie Mellon. They used to say we could take class of 80 or 100, who, you know, some some number. But then they end up taking, you know, 12 musical theater, 12, 12 actors or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And so how do you how do you when you're re- you have 60 students who have earned their place, 60 students who are good yeah. enough? To get in in your mind. How do you get from 60 to 14 or 15 or whatever you're going to try to yield exactly? Well, I, I do it as as if I were, and I it, it's only at this point that I do this. Uh, their headshots go down or on the floor or up on a board and we go, okay, what, what do we need to serve our, our department? What plays have we not been able to do? What mm-hmm. What are we missing? What, 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 how will this class not be a replica of any other class? Mm-hmm. That's a little vague, but I guess if I were going to winnow it down to a couple of words, I, I think we're casting. Uh-huh. And, and then how like does it work show, in the process? Like show. Obviously, no, you're not going to yield 100% of who you admit then. How no. does that work with you in the waitlist process then of going, those 60 students probably got in some other schools too, and you're trying yeah, to absolutely. have them say yes to your school. And, and then how does it work as you adjust the casting, you know, um, as people say no, and as people come off other waitlists, et cetera? I, that I don't want to open up a floodgate of this, but I think students who have been very good at writing and letting, letting us know where their desires are, and being honest, mm-hmm. I, I got into Carnegie Mellon and I didn't get into UMish or something like that. Mm-hmm. But you, 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 Miami is my number one choice right now. That, right. that information, if it reads honestly, um, yeah. is really helpful in putting things into order. Now, I, I, I'm hesitant to say that because then all of a sudden every kid will be writing right. and then we can't, we can't figure that out. 
But I think that the, the secret to getting into schools is being completely honest with your needs, financial, academic, yeah. um, emotional, figuring out what type of school actually serves you the best. There is a remarkable difference between the styles that schools use to teach but all great BFA programs, the truth is, you're going to graduate with a great degree and the ability to do something. It's how mm -hmm. you get there. And so reading these letters from students or applicants let me know, lets me know right away, I think this is the right, this, this student is expressing mm -hmm. the, the right kind of, um, of um, words that feel right for a student here. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been doing this mm -hmm. a long time and I can often tell within one or two schools where someone's gonna wind up. Mm -hmm. And my, my ultimate thought on that is it, we cannot, we're doing all these applicants a disservice if we let anybody wrap their dream school into one bundle and Ain't think that the truth. That their self-worth the will be gone. Yep. The numbers are against people. It, it's, I, yep. I hate saying that. There are just so many kids wanting to do this, but everybody will wind up in the, in the school if they do yes. their due diligence. They will wind up. They will wind up in the right place. Right. It is not a career where you can ever have that kind of control. No, it's out. Right. But if you get accepted, I, it, it terrifies me, and it ha doesn't happen often. But it's like, oh, I didn't know you were coming to school. I've never seen you since your audition. Uh -huh. If you can afford it, go to the schools you've been accepted yeah. at. I, I, I know my school's not right for everybody. I know who it is yep. right for. And, you know, kids that need to get lost in a big city and be away from, from everything, they need to be in New York or Chicago. Yeah. But kids that, that, that need other things will know what they get here. You keep looking out of your beautiful window as you're saying this. And I can see that you're taking in this gorgeous campus and it's making me jealous. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to wrap up a little bit. Um, you mentioned um, some of the changes of like maybe, so now the SATs are going to be required and some of the things that as we emerge from the kind of into this post-pandemic world, as I've been saying it, that you know, the pandemic is not completely over, yes. but as we emerge from it, right? Um, what is carrying forward for, for you? Is there anything in terms of virtual auditions um, that's that's keeping forward? Uh, any of the sort of um, progress that Miami may have made in terms of uh, um racial equity or in terms of some of the conversations that have been happening yeah. for the past two, three years, what, what are we taking forward out of the pandemic moment? I'm taking so much out of it. I think we cannot, we cannot and will not um, get rid of the possibility of virtual auditions. I think it's important. I think the industry is doing it. However, however, there is something that is intangible about being one-on-one -on -one on, with someone that I find yeah. really important. Now, granted, there are, there are people around the country and around the world that just can't do it. And to the part of the diversity, um, yes, um, and that plays into it there. Um, I would like people from the rest of the world to be, have the opportunity to be able to do this. And the only way maybe is to do the virtual and also the fiscal. It costs a lot of money to go do all these auditions. Uh -huh. um, and so I'm, 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 I'm not 
the, the, the fiscal portion of it is irrelevant to me. It's making sure. And quite frankly, you and I have been speaking for a couple of days right now. And, yep. and we, we, there is, we definitely understand each other. And, yep. and there's something valuable here. But there's something a little bit different. There's a power imbalance between auditor and auditioner that I think is easy, more easily broken down when we're one-on-one and they can realize, yep. yes, we're relaxed. Let us, let us be honest. That's not to say that Zoom and its friends are not a great tool, but I don't think it's the best way to audition. But yeah. our industry is using it and um, to an extent, right? Um, so I'm not willing to throw it out. The diversity thing, I, 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 I don't know how to fix it um, other than to start way back at very early age in early education. But it is vital if we as theater people cannot put on stories that look like the world. I don't know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and our university is, 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 is doing a lot to make that happen. And I have great hopes that um, we are making great strides there. Um, I, I, that there is my, my switch to somber. It, it, it's so vital. It, it, it's just the number one thing that's on my mind. How do we mm-hmm. tell stories that are worthy of being heard and worthy of being told and the ones that aren't necessary to be told and heard? Um, let's wrap with um, some advice. And maybe I'd love to give us some advice specifically to our parent listeners. You know, maybe yes. if I'm a parent of a junior, especially I'm, I'm beginning my my research and I'm trying to put together my college list and how am I going to, you know, I really want to help my, my child as I'm they're moving forward into the pre-screen season and auditions, et cetera. So uh, um, what advice would we have to those parents who are just embarking on this process? So much, quite frankly. Um, and, and none of what I'm going to say is, is tongue in cheek, although I think it might come off humorously. Um, relax. Find people that you can trust to to instruct your children to get them ready to truly trust them and not wrap your parental self-worth up in this Mm. um i often see in in the unifieds parents who are just making things much too stressful for their students Mm -hmm. and quite frankly for other other kids in the hallways I'm saying this most sincerely. It doesn't help. Um, I would prefer that parents stay on their own floor. I'm most. I'm, I'm, being, I'm being serious here, and 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 let their children be children who are auditioning for the theater. Mm-hmm. They 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 don't need to. They don't need to be professional auditors. Um, I, I, that that holds for me at least. I, I I I'm sure I would love to see a perfect audition. But it is not what I'm looking for. I would mm-hmm. like as much relaxation to come in so honesty can come out when, when people are so stressed in an already stressed situation. I, I, my heart breaks for these kids. And there's it's that's my number one suggestion. Mm-hmm. Um, let the kids be honest to what they're capable of doing. And that will happen. A- any type of... I, I, I came from a mother who was, you were going to practice, and that was fine, but not when I was auditioning or in school. It, mm-hmm. it, it dawned on me that I needed to do that on my own, and it may have been the smartest thing I ever did as, as a young human being. 
And I'm a firm believer in that. And, and, you know, and there's some great parents out there, out there that I, I adore and they're very important, but I'm really only interested in the audition yep. and the human that's auditioning. The, the other stuff, and I got to say, that resume, I love having it, but I love it mostly for the headshot so I can keep track. <laughs> it's important to some schools. It's important maybe for the academic portion. But for me, I find everything in the everything in the audition. I don't need uh-huh. to be told that somebody's daughter or son or other just, you know, is, you know, just want to... X, Y, and Z award. I, I don't yeah. need that. Like, I need I'll to see it see in the room. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. And I think that's really also something you don't need to sell. I don't need to be sold uh-huh. anything. I think the kid is going to audition and that's it. I love the phrase parental self-worth. That's a new, it's a, uh, you know, I've asked this now of whatever, have 40 some schools. That's a new phrase that I, um, I think is so smart. Um, well, David, thank you so much for the time. If people want to check out more stuff about Miami, where's the best place for them to go? To the University of Miami Department of Theater Arts website, or you can send us an email um, and get in touch with me. Uh, it would be my awesome. pleasure. We take this, this, this may be the most important job I have. Yeah, we love it. That contact info will be in the show notes. We'll have links to, to check out everything that people need to know. Well, David, thank you so much for the time today. This was really such a pleasure. I enjoyed this immensely. I truly did. I could talk about my program forever, apparently. <laughs> oh, hey, now. I hope you enjoyed that interview with David. He is so warm and easy to chat with, and you can really tell he's been doing this for many years. Not only his intimate knowledge of the process, but some of those specific insights in terms of pitfalls people have fallen into in the past really speak toward his many years of experience. There are about 12 takeaways I want to do from this episode, but I do have to leave some meat on the bone for future podcasts. And I am blessedly realizing how many of these things we have at least somewhat touched on in previous episodes. By next year, I think this takeaway section might just be like a full glossary pointing you to different previous episodes where I'm just adding footnotes or little additional comments. Um, For those who are newer to the pod, please listen to the end of our Texas State Acting Pod with Neil Patrick Stewart or University of Arizona with Danny Gerwin to hear a bit more about the confusion between the way different schools will use the word conservatory and liberal arts. I thought David navigated that really well and very interestingly, Miami being a school we would call a BFA liberal arts school, but it's definitely confusing with different language for different schools and how they think about categorizing themselves. I've also talked before about chat boards. I thought it was really funny him talking about how chat boards uh, um, identified him. So check out our Indiana University episode where uh, we talk about that. I appreciated David's take on them. Similarly, I love the way he phrased the willingness to be wrong when given an adjustment. Or maybe if we translate that into MTCA language, it would be not holding the piece so tightly and needing to be right, which leaves room for the magical slash transcendent work to be a possibility. Um, We outlined that a bit in our Syracuse episode with Tom Miller, so feel free to listen back to that if you want to hear all about adjustments. I also feel like we've talked in a number of ways about his parental advice of not letting too much of your own self-worth be wrapped up in your child. I think that's great advice and very eloquently phrased, and I underline that as a note to my future parental self. So please listen back to those episodes if you want more on those topics, as I think all of them, which we heard today, are worthy of a deeper dive. But today, I just want to do two small takeaways aimed specifically at any class of 2023 listeners who are checking this out right as they're potentially making their final decision 
decision. Um, we had a nice long takeaway from our SCAD episode two weeks ago about the budgeting of hours that schools use. And I just want to clarify an addendum to that based on what David said here. When you're evaluating curriculum for those out there finishing and rechecking their scorecards, as Leo assigns you to do, make sure you are translating credits into hours in the week. That should be something you should find from the school themselves or of course could get from an alumni student. What does a specific week look like with the hours of the day as opposed to just a credit list that you might more easily find on a website? And this is because, as David says, especially with theater programs, a credit is not a credit is not a credit. This may also be true of non-theater college credits. I'm less familiar with them from school to school, but I can say for sure with theater and musical theater programs, they're often doing exactly what David mentioned and really shrinking the class of a credit hour to meet the needs of their program because what they do might not easily translate into the university system at large. So if you compare two credits of acting at one school versus four at another school, that does not actually mean necessarily that you're taking double the acting at the second school. It should mean that, but in order to make the schedules work, many schools will manipulate the math of what a credit hour is to the point of unrecognizability. This is at least partially because musical theater classes, despite having significant outside work from class, do not have the same homework load that a physics class might. So where another major might take 15 credits, meaning 15 hours of class time in a week, knowing they have a ton of work outside of class they'll have to complete, a musical theater major might be in class for more than 30 hours a week before you even start counting stuff like rehearsal and crew hours, which can be really significant. But if they gave out the 60 credits for the hours you're actually working, you'd be graduated from school in like one year, and that wouldn't work out too well for the university. Which is not to say that you all need to do a lot of this math or translation of what a credit hour is and what kind of you know multiplication table do I need to make this all uh, match up. I would just make sure you have a detailed sample schedule in days and hours so that you really understand what your week will be like. This is the kind of thing also that you do not necessarily need to go incredibly deep on in your beginning research. So any younger um, listeners out there, if your class is 2024, 20, 2025, as, as I say this, so if you're a junior or sophomore um, as you're doing this, this might not be the thing that you go deep on with the 50 schools you're looking at at the very beginning. But you definitely do want to be incredibly specific on all of this kind of stuff before you make your final decision. And exactly when you do this level of specificity really varies family by family. Some it'll be a little earlier in the process, some a little bit later. You're going to do what you can do um, to have this information. But certainly before you choose to go to school to a place like this, you want to make sure you know what is the schedule actually going to be. The other takeaway I want to hit on is not too specific to David, but does go back to our class of 2023 and making your final decision where we all are um, in this place right now. You may have noticed I ask each school that has a musical theater program or an emphasis uh, like that, which of the three disciplines of musical theater they emphasize the most. For a while there, I kept saying like legs of the stool. I'm not sure why that was the thing that was sticking in my craw, but it was like, how much leg of the stool are you? Is one of the legs longer than the other? I don't know, but you're gonna get that for like last year. I was doing that a lot. Just to let you behind the curtain a little bit, this is not because I think it's important you go through and actually categorize each school specifically and label it an acting-based school or this is a music-heavy program, etc. As I think you'll make some of those decisions based on the above credit hours deep dive and you'll get some of that reputationally from how others will discuss the school. But I do want you to pay attention to the different ways they talk about that question. I think it's really interesting to get a sense of the philosophy of a school in the way they talk about their equality of all three disciplines, or do they emphasize one of the disciplines specifically there, or even more importantly, how they talk about what's most important to train a young artist. 
I mean, I love David's comments about style in this question. I thought that was very interesting, right? And I also love that he said first, second, third, and a hundredth that they're an acting program. Even for other schools that say acting is primary, they not may not want to put all top hundred spots on acting and only have 101 be singing or 102 be dance or whatever. And again, that's not to say to read too much into a quick answer about a school's philosophy and then say, okay, that means their song and dance training is somehow lesser because because of it. But you can get a sense of the vibe and how it lines up philosophically with what you're looking for. That's it. The 101st episode in the books. After this one, it will be a while before the number is exciting again, so I'll probably just stop saying it. But I won't stop saying how great it is to have Megan Cordier producing these episodes, and I certainly won't stop encouraging you to rate and review us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And let's be honest, if you made it this far in the episode, we're one of your favorite podcasts. I think we just need to admit that to ourselves. Don't forget to follow our socials at Mapping the College Audition on Instagram and MTCA on all our various social media platforms in the show notes, as well as popping over to mtcollegeauditions.com on the old internet browser if you want some of the best individual college coaching you can find on this planet. And if you want to see photos of me covered in stickers for my daughter, you can follow me at Charmer7 as well on all my social medias. To my young artists out there mapping their journeys, is the plural of takeaway takeaways or takes away? There are multiple takes that are being brought away, but some of that feels wrong. See you next week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.